to the podcast where we bring on remarkable people to tell their stories. I'm Paul Gilman. I'm Daniel Lance. And this is Podso One. This week we've got Al Lester and Kevin Flippin, who met through a mutual friend and deeply connected through their love of all things golf, which they discovered on a very rainy day a few, a few years ago. While we plan to have both Al and Kevin on individually to hear their personal stories, Paul and I want to release their shared story uh, because it includes their desire to start their own golf-oriented podcast. These guys are hilarious. It was a fun conversation, um, and, we, and we talked a little bit about some of the current events going on, too, toward the end. So we hope you enjoy. Here is Al Lester and Kevin Flippin. Tonight, we're uh, glad to have Kevin Flippin, a guy I've known for, oh, God. Almost 30 years, is that right? Yes. Uh, and we had the pleasure of meeting uh, his friend Al. Y'all met through Linwood Ashley Green, correct? <laughs> this is yes. correct. Yes. It's L.A., and, right? and by the way, that's Al Lester. I don't, I don't want anyone to think this is some other Al. Mistake Al, the wrong Al. It needs to right, be Al, Al Lester. Lester. Basically, yes. the things he says here need to be no, I say, we, we attached want, to him. We, we want to own everything we say here, <laughs> for sure. Understood. So welcome. Uh, great to meet you, Al. Great to meet you. Uh, Kevin said a lot of uh, good things about you. He, I, uh, nothing, he lied. Nothing, nothing really negative. No. No. Right, yeah. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Not really? Not yet. Not yet. So, Not yet. Okay. So cool. Let, let's learn a little bit about both of you. And since Daniel and I met Al tonight, let's start with Al. Al... You were, on. you were born where? In Miami, Florida. Born 305. In, where, right. where were you raised? <laughs> I was raised in Hinesville, Georgia. No one will know where that is. Trust me. Uh, it's a town outside of Savannah, Georgia. My father was in the Army. He was stationed at Fort Stewart, which is adjacent to Hinesville, and I was raised there. Okay, right on. And where would you consider yourself from? <laughs> it depends on the day of the week. <laughs> um, when we're talking sports, I'm from Miami. Well, any other time, okay. Um, right. Any other time, I'm from Georgia. All right, right yeah. on. Cool. And you uh, ended up going to college in Virginia. I did. And recruited to play a little uh, football, right? Recruited to play football. Um, yeah. Quick story, I actually was not going to come to Virginia to play football. I was going to go to the Naval Academy. Oh. And uh, I backed out of the Naval Academy after signing my letter of intent. And VMI called and said, hey, would you consider coming here? So I went to VMI, played for four years. It was fun, challenging. but Did you uh, visit VMI before you? I had design? one. I had one visit, but oddly enough, um, the kids were not in the rat line that weekend, so I had no idea what I was getting. <laughs> they into they never line. bring the recruits by when, yeah, they, when the rats yeah, are was, out. It was not fair when I actually got there. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's the, what's the rat line? Oh, here we go. All right, let's oh, talk some VMI yeah, now. Let's talk a little bit of VMI. So the rat <laughs> line is like a, a pledge system. So when you get to VMI, no matter who you are, it's a Al Lester football player, Kevin Flippin, surfer from California, whoever, whatever it may be. Um, it's like we need to bring you guys in and kind of break you down to, I don't know the right term for it, but. Um, break you down to a place where they can rebuild you correct. to what they want to rebuild you. Okay. That's correct. And um, so we go through that for about six months. Um, 
learning a bunch of teamwork, a bunch about um, how to dress, how to march, how to load a gun, um, a bunch of different things. And once we finally come together as a class, um, we have what you call breakout. And at that point, we become a class. I'm the class of 98. So um, it was about February 20th of 95 that uh, the class of 98 became an official class at VMI. So, and that's six months after you first get there? You had to spend Correct. six months, six months, in months after I got there. Yeah, it was from August, August to uh, February. And that's still a thing they do at VMI? That is still a thing they do at VMI. Um, the rat line will not go away. <laughs> Did you find it to be a productive part of your uh, development as a as a human being? Um, there are things that there are things from VMI that 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 will never leave me, um, and it's it's simple stuff. Um, the way my clothes are situated in my closet to, um, when I put on dress clothes, um, it's a funny thing. But my gig line is always straight, and that was a VMI thing. That's that was something that carried over from that. Um, shoes always have to be polished. Certain things have to be in certain order. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other things that I've kind of rebelled against um, since VMI. I never understood the no facial hair. Obviously, nobody <laughs> could see me, but um, you know, as soon as I could grow facial hair, I was like, hey, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the structure, the life structure, and just some of the life lessons and the discipline, yeah, it, it carries over. That's awesome. As a football player, was your experience a little bit different than the uh, non-athletic rats? Um, it was, it was, but I would say equally as challenging. Um, I know I did get, I didn't march in a bunch of parades. Um, there was a a, a lot of um, rifle training and stuff like that that I missed because I was at practice, um, and that was. That was a source of controversy when I was there. Um, I remember my, we call each other brother rats. Um, They kind of gave the athletes hell about it. Um, You guys don't participate as much. You're always off at practice. Um, But what I did appreciate is that the upperclassmen, um, they brought the rat, what they called them at that point, a rat mass down to our football practice and, and said, hey, these are your brother rats. This is what they're doing. Yeah, they, you know, this, they're this working is no harder cake. than you yeah, are. There's yeah. no cakewalk going on over here. So, you know, I appreciated that. The experience was different, um, but it was challenging. When I first got there, we were if we had a home game in Lexington, I was in class on Saturday morning before a game. Right, right. That was a requirement as a rat. Um, so, it, you know, I. I look back at that and what what it ultimately tells me there's nothing that I can't do if I really put my mind to it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Did you only apply to military schools? I didn't. It was a weird thing that that's who recruited me so hard because I'm like, that's really not my thing. I know my dad's in the military. I'm kind of a structured guy, but I, I don't know why it came down in the end to um, VMI Naval Academy. Um, but... What I will say is I do I do appreciate that style of education. Not to say that I wouldn't have excelled somewhere else, um, but the friendships and the bonds I have with my classmates coming out of VMI, um, that's all we had was each other. Right. So it's 
it's something that lasts a lifetime. So I'm appreciative mm. of it. Yeah, camaraderie is really powerful yeah. when you go through that kind of yeah. thing together. Okay. And did did you start a couple of years while you were there? Um, in <laughs> I'm laughing at Kevin sitting across from me <laughs> because I I have to be humble here. I did. I I was fortunate enough. One of the things that I think I'm the only one that has done this is I started as a true freshman oh, my nice. very first game. And out of 44 games I played in, I started 42. Oh, and man. I, yeah. So I only missed two games. And they were as a senior um, because I uh, had a knee MCL strain. But other than that, played started every game. What kind of offense did you all run? Sorry, Daniel. We <laughs> <laughs> well, what position did you play? Quarterback. Too? Quarterback. Oh no way! Yeah, um, we ran um, we ran a pro style offense. We ran um, I formation offense. Um, a guy local here to Richmond, Thomas Haskins, was my tailback at the time, um, and he was all American. Great guy. So he made it simple for me. A lot of the times, all I had to do was turn around and hand the ball off, and we based everything off of play action. So most of the times when I had time to throw the ball, um, I had somebody open. So it, it was it was fun. Um, and like I said, getting to play all four years, I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Yeah. yeah. Who was your big rival? Citadel. Citadel. Yeah. What was your record against Citadel? Two and two. Yeah. We, 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 lost, we lost the first two and one the last two while I was there. That's yeah, so it was pretty it. cool. Yeah. Amazing he's a quarterback. He can only throw it like 25 yards. <laughs> here, here we go. Well, so nah, just, it so starts. Just, just so the listening audience knows, Kevin Kevin likes to talk smack, and I, I, I've learned that he likes to talk smack with Al, and I know he likes to talk smack with me. And, Daniel, he's coming after you probably It all comes in. from a good place. Yeah. Always. And, and yeah. usually when I talk smack, it's the opposite. I, I, I've got a lot of love for Al. I know he can throw the football probably 80 yards, but it's more fun to, to say he can only throw it 20. But yeah. I, I'll tell you the cool thing about Kevin, though. I, you know, VMI, unless you are a follower of VMI, you really don't know much about VMI. Lexington's not a big place. Yeah. You know, and one of the times me and Kevin was talking after we met, he's like, yeah, I know you. I saw your name in the paper. I remember reading the paper, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, who does that? Kevin and like yeah. two other people. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was me. That was me growing up. I, I, in fact, the funny thing about that is, with all the advent of the internet and everything, it's it's the one thing that I've lost in my life is a newspaper. Like mm. from the time I was probably, my parents will tell you this, six years old, maybe seven, I would get up every morning with my bowl of cereal and read box scores. You did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I knew, I, I could tell you who the starting lineup for the Dodgers was in 1979. That's ridiculous. My wife's like, you can't remember to pick something up at the store, <laughs> but you know, you know, stuff like that. So I remember, I think it was Alfred Lester. It was at the time, was. yes. So I remember him. And, and the funny thing is, there was a guy that you might have played against, Stacy Tut, that lived in our neighborhood. Okay. I didn't really know Stacy, but it's one of the first names I popped up with him. and said, hey, did you ever play against Stacy? So we, yeah, I've got a bunch of useless knowledge in my brain. But it probably uh, made Al feel like you. Somebody cared about him outside of his uh, teammates and yeah, it was his, cool. His brother Ryan, it was yeah. cool. I thought it was a little weird, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you still here? I, I I agree, it's a little weird. Uh, <laughs> you do. All right, we're we're gonna come back to you. I'll give you All a little right. break, and we'll go to Kevin. Kevin, where where are you from? Where was I born? And where am I from? We can do all that. Give where me, was I raised? Me, uh, here in Richmond, right? So I was uh, short punk. Um, I was born um, in MCV, but. Uh, 
given up for adoption and you know i'm not gonna go into my whole life story but we're, we're bringing you back separately yeah that's yeah. great i love that um but i've got two uh you've met them william and nettie great parents yeah. um grew up in short pump before it became <laughs> what it is now uh broad street was a two-lane road all the way to yeah. stanton really um so we would ride our bikes up and down to the short pump grocery and come back. There was no Innsbruck. What Innsbruck is now was one big dirt road around woods. And we'd ride our mini bikes and bikes back there. It was a great, I had a great childhood. Um, would never, ever complain about my childhood. Um, but grew up there, went to Tucker High School. Uh, all my friends went to Hermitage. I was in that neighborhood that went to Tucker. Yeah, bike, yeah. So that kind of sucked. Um, but I met L.A. at Tucker. Mm-hmm. Um, the first day of gym class in ninth grade, um, L.A. comes bopping in, and I was like, oh, I like that guy already, you know, and we've been buddies since, and that's been, good gracious, 36 years. Um, but then uh, how far you want me to go into this? Cause we <laughs> go. You're good, you're good, man. <laughs> All right, so I'll tell you. My favorite color is Carolina blue. Oh, good. Um, That's not how far we wanted to go. Yeah, no. <laughs> you've, you've clearly gone too far. I do love – look, I, I, and one of the cool things about Al is he loves sports too, right? So I, I love sports. I've played it my whole life. I've been around it my whole life. I, my kids play it. They play Fortnite a lot more than they play sports, which is the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but – yeah, I just love it. I love the the camaraderie. I love the challenge. Um, I'm never going to sit here and tell you I was an all American in anything. Um, I wasn't. Um, I was pretty good at some things. Um, it's all relative, right? Sure. You, know, you throw me out there with some third graders right now. I'm Michael Jordan. You're you're the man. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we had fun. I mean, you and I had Does fun. Does that mean good or old? Uh, both. 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 Okay. both. Yeah. But I think you know Jordan at this point was he 57, 58? He could probably take some third graders. I would think um, so. I might have a little trouble, but yeah, it's just sports has always been, and it's funny thing. So Al and I met and I'll just go into that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, LA being one of my best friends my whole life, he, uh, and you might have to keep me honest here because you're in the family, but his um, mom is married to your father-in-law. Correct. I I got it. First try. LA, LA, I'll say it in a simpler way. All right. L.A. and my wife are stepbrother and sister. Okay. All right. That's a lot simpler. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Al. That's why you're here. <laughs> to interpret the stuff that I say. Um, so we would go to kids, because we all have little kids. Now they're getting older. But back then, little kids, we'd all see each other at birthday parties. And so Al and I would talk and, you know, just about whatever when you go to a birthday party, usually what's on TV. Um, but one specific birthday party... I end up sitting across from him, and I don't know how golf came up. It was on TV was because it? the birthday party was always Masters weekend. So we start, and I said, whatever Al was saying at the time, I was like, you play golf? And, and it wasn't like, oh, you play golf? It was like, you play golf too? Like you were like, excited, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, I play golf. I said, how much do you play golf? And I think at the time you said you tried to play 9 or 18 every week. That's correct. And immediately I knew we were going to be friends. <laughs> um, I I'm, you know, don't have the time to be able to play that much um, then or now. Uh, so most of Al and I's uh, golf expeditions are on golf trips or you know, we'll go one Saturday or whatever to play. But, you know, a lot of time now, and, and it's good time, is spent with our families and our kids. But uh, we started playing golf from that day forward. Yeah. And uh, that turned into – 
hey, why don't you come on my golf trip? You know, and, and I think uh, Al had met um, Rob Owens, who was another one of my, my yeah, good I buddies. Yeah, I had um, met Rob at that time. Growing yeah. up. They, uh, L.A., Rob and myself were like the three musketeers throughout my 20s. Um, we, were, we were tight. And uh, so Rob plays golf too, good golfer. Um, invited Al, and next thing you know, we were on a golf trip together. And I'm going to tell you, um, on the way over here today, it was pouring, raining. And I called out and said, can you believe it? It's pouring, raining. And I'll tell you why. So the first, <laughs> the first golf trip, and please add your... I will. Uh, the first golf trip, it might not have been the first one. might have been the second or third one. So no, it's probably the second or third one. We were up in uh, Northern Virginia. Um, we played this course called Rock Harbor. What we would do is we'd play 18 holes the first day, 36 the next day, and then 18 the y- third day. Y'all all really like golf. Right. Everybody on that trip. We and, do. Yeah. And that's all it was about. We stayed at a Holiday Inn up there. Wait till you hear the story. <laughs> I've, I've heard the story. This is for Daniel and our tw- 27 listeners. Yeah. So, so uh, it was, just went down to 26. Um, so we go out for the day of 36 holes. And I think there's 12 of us. Um, so that's four to each group. And it's raining. And it's not raining really hard, but it's raining. It's, it can be kind of miserable playing in the rain. We get through 18. And I think one of the groups quits. And no, actually, I think the other two groups quit, but it was just the four of us still. Yeah, it was only four or maybe six of us at that time. Left. By the time we were started the next 18. So we start the next team, we get through nine, <clears throat> and the guys that are with us are like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And they, and they quit. So I'm looking at Al, and I'm like, You don't want to quit, do you? He's like, No, I don't want to quit. So we head to the back nine, and as we're heading to number 10, we look over our shoulder. There's nobody else on the course at this point. Because everybody else has Everybody else has sense. sense. Yeah. Right. There's the first two. We're like, hey, number one is wide open. Wide open. <laughs> Let's start this 18 over again. So we <laughs> head to the first tee, and we start the 18 over again. I'm telling you, by the time we got to, I think our cart died at, on 14. Correct. And it was pouring. Like, you could hardly see and we had some pretty good rain gloves on, so we weren't like shanking it all over the place. I think that would have probably ended the round if we were. Yeah. So that was the – I'll jump in right here. That was yeah. the funny part. The rain that everybody else quit on, I would say, was a, a steady rain that if you're on a golf trip, you don't quit. It's just water. It's just yeah. – you just deal with it. Um, so we're like, y'all are quitting? Okay. We're here to play golf. Let's play golf. So it's who else is with us? And me and Kevin are standing there looking at each other like, I guess it's us. So, yeah, we go back to one. We start playing. Um, we get through. And it's about 14 when the cart dies. And it's raining pretty good and has been raining pretty good at this point. And we look at each other. I don't remember who says it, but it's like, want to keep going? Yeah. Call up to the clubhouse. Hey, can you bring a cart out here? <laughs> They're like, do what? I'm, hey, my cart died. I'm you're, you're the only two out there <laughs> right. right now. Cart died. Um, we want to keep playing. And um, so we finished the hole we're on. The start of the next hole, the skies completely opened up. And, I mean, you could not literally see the ball at a dress. That's how much it was raining and how foggy it was because Rock Harbor is like on top of a mountain almost. Yep. And um, we hit the ball literally, and then we drove out there and found just drove it. around and found it <laughs> and kept playing. I think we played – that was 15, mm-hmm. and we played – because 
I will I'll give Rock Harbor credit. Three of the coolest holes you can have. It's that 15th hole is a par five that yeah. goes straight out, and then there's a bunch of rocks for Rock Harbor there, and you have to navigate around those just to get down to the green, which is kind of in a recessed area. Great hole. The next hole is a drivable par four, and everybody loves those. Who right? doesn't like those? Yeah. yeah. So we had to play that hole, and then the 17th hole was the you're up on a hill looking down on a green that's in the shape of a heart. And so, I mean, it's a par three. And that's a what? A how many foot drop? 200 feet, maybe? It's, it's a long way. You have no idea what club to hit. So it, the, it, the interesting part about what we're talking about right now, not only were we stupid for playing the golf, that was kind of dangerous. We really didn't <laughs> know where we were going. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <clears throat> It's a good point. But we hit our tee shot on that hole and didn't quit. Yeah. We said we... we, we so 43 and a half holes yeah. is essentially yeah. what you played that day. Yeah. Soaking wet. Yeah. So we get back, and the, the other part of the story, we get back to the hotel, and the clubs, we have to bring the clubs in with us. I mean, they are soaked. The bag is soaked. People are looking at us like, where have y'all been? The rest of the group, they're eating. They're dry and eating. Yeah. Yep. And um, we're like, yeah, we're going to go take a shower. We both have to take all the clubs out of the bag and lay them out. They're like laid out in front of the air condition for them to dry because we got to... Hey, we got again. another 18 in the morning. <laughs> right. Right. So um it's just one of those things that it was it was fun that Kevin and I hadn't we had known each other a while, but still the golf trip thing was new to us. But to kind of relate in that way of hey, we're here to play golf, let's play golf at all costs. That was so cool because we were the only ones that were willing to go that far. And I really don't know anybody else uh, other than Kevin that would. Go I would. I would have been. I would have been with the first eight or ten guys. <laughs> yeah. Out of there. Which makes sense. We we didn't look. You know, look at them and go, "Y'all are crazy." We're the crazy ones. Right. Exactly. But it, it's. But it was cool though because it was almost unspoken, and that's why I think we. we it's almost like we created a bond that day. Correct. Because it wasn't like we. Are you sure you want to do this? I mean, it was like. What's wrong? We, we were like, what's wrong? What's with wrong with them? Yeah. What's, what's and we weren't playing the round of you know, the, what's the caddy shack? I'm playing the round of my life. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't that. Right. It was just golf, man. And we go on a golf trip to play golf. Yeah. And, and we've had we have another friend, a mutual friend that I won't throw under the bus, but w- would say, you know, man, y'all play too much golf when you go on this. I said, it's a golf trip. <laughs> like I think one year he didn't even want to bring his clubs. He <laughs> wanted to drive around and drink beer with us. And I was like, well, I guess you could do that. Yeah. But. I mean, I, you know, we love golf. So that day, I think in the hotel room, we said, wouldn't it be cool if we could get paid to do something, not like not playing in the rain, but to do something related with golf? And we're yeah. not golf pros by any stretch. Um, once again, it's all relative. We're, we're good compar- considering who you compare. What's your best round, Kevin? Ever? Yeah. 75. It's pretty good. What's yours? 80. All right. So you beats me. My best is 86. Yeah. And I think I've broken ninety like twice in my life. So. But that's but we shoot that's around the same yeah. now. It, yeah. it, that was years ago. That's back when right. I could play three times a week, right? Right. Um. Now it's if I shoot a ninety, I'm happy. Right. Um. And he's probably yeah mad. No, um, I'm not. He's mad because I shot a ninety and he shot a ninety-one. But it's all good. I do get mad on those things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps it to himself though. Another cool thing about about what and this is this is going to open a door that maybe I shouldn't, but. We both enjoy the fashion of golf, too. And you're looking at me like yeah, I, I don't even know what that means. That, so, the, what you wear. No, right? I, just, I understand fashion. Right. I just, like, I don't, I've never thought about golf fashion, Kevin. <laughs> it, is, it is a big thing, but it's, 
it's also it's also one of those things that kind of brought us even closer together because it wasn't just about doing anything to play golf. It was, okay, I am wearing this this day. I'm wearing this this day. I'm wearing this this day. I got to have two fresh new pair of shoes. It, it was a big deal. I remember the guys even giving me a hard time because Kevin and I, even on subsequent subsequent trips, and we'll go back to this trip, Kevin and I would go up early and play. And um, I would have on an outfit or whatever I'm wearing. And they would see us coming in from playing nine holes, and they're warming up. You guys already been here? Yeah. I go in. I change. I'm like, yeah, that was just my warm-up. That was just my warm-up gear right there. Okay, now we're officially on the trip. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a big ordeal. I mean, the golf trip is a, so it's it's all a big deal. It's all in. Yeah. It's completely all in. And to meet someone else that's all in like that is kind of what got us talking about, okay, we love this game. What can we do to really be involved in the game, do something you love to do? So over the years, it's kind of evolved from a golf show. Um, we've talked about a golf show, traveling around the country, going to golf events, um, kind of just being the weird guys in the back with the microphone, just giving everybody hell. Um, we've talked about our own golf line of fashion because we both like that. Um uh, most recently, we talked about a podcast, which oddly we're here today um, on your podcast. So it's we love golf and and we're friends and we're trying to figure out how to how to turn that into something that we could keep doing together. So it's, I love it. Yeah, yeah. We we uh, you're talking to the right uh, duo. To, to yeah, help you guys do we that. believe so. I think there is a really strong golf community. Uh, I'm not personally part of it or don't know it too well, but uh, my cousin, um, he's out in Arizona, and he tried to go pro, and he was amazing in, in his college years, and I don't know. I kind of was like, this dude's the best golfer I've ever seen. He's going to be pro. He's going to go to the PGA, but you know, it was him and like hundreds and thousands of other golfers that were all just like him, and, and they were all trying to do... They were playing the circuits down in like Latin America and South America on the courses down there to try to, I don't know, make it into the PGA. But basically, I just think that there's a lot of people out there that love golf. And if you get two entertaining guys jumping on a talk about playing golf through the rain or, I don't know, whatever else you guys talk about, I think it could be it could be something that catches. For sure. Well, it's interesting because it wasn't just that one trip. So <laughs> to elaborate on the trips, what, what came of that trip was Kevin and – I was gonna, are you going to talk about, yeah, well, let me, let me set you up first okay. and then you take it away. All right. So he's got a, a set of friends too that now I've, I know as well, um, just like he knows my friends as well. And me and my crew would go in May, the trip you've actually been on. Yep. Um, and so would Al. And then Al and, our, we, Al and I would go with Rob Owens' trip in September. So we're playing golf. I don't even know when it was. like a November of, of the year with Chris and his sister and you. Yeah. Um, well, me and you. And Chris says, hey, Flip, why don't you come on our, you know, our golf trip in uh, May? And I was like, well, Chris, we on, I go on a golf trip in May as well. I said, where are y'all going this year? He said, we're going to Barefoot down in Myrtle. I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. I said, that's kind of where we're going. 
okay, cool. Left it at that. The next day, I'm having lunch with Rutherford, and he's on that May trip. And we're just sitting there talking about the conversation. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, we should go together and do the Ryder Cup. Hmm. His team against our team. And then you can take it from there. So it turns out I have 10 guys. Flippin' has 10 guys. And it's like, let's figure out, let's make this thing happen. So we, we go through this coordination of, all right, let's get the date right. Get the date right. Who's committed? Get everyone committed. Which isn't easy, by the way. Oh, it's a It's pain. not easy at all. But we, we get everyone committed. Um, so the date is there. And, and the thing about golf trips that's funny, the most important thing about a week out becomes the weather. So, <laughs> so yes. we're looking at the weather. And it's, like, going to be horrible. <laughs> and we're like, go figure. So anyway, we all get down. We all get down to Myrtle. And we decided what we should do is, as a group of 20, let's all stand at the tee box. So we're all on the tee box, all 20 of us. And lo and behold, it's like Kevin talking about the rain today. The first group tees off, and it is dry. It looks nice outside. It's amazing. And within the next 10 minutes, it rains the rest of the round. And the rest of the next morning. That was horrible. We Whoa. started our second round on the 36-hole day in a torrential downpour. Mm. All, it, 20? All, all 20? All 20. Mm. All 20. We were able to convince everybody that... To play through it. For the it, first it, two days. Yeah, it was it was uh it was interesting that everybody stuck with it. The only dry round we had was the second round on that Saturday where it just got beautiful. Yeah. And um And we actually played together in that round. We played so, together that and day. And we did it just like the Ryder Cup, right? So we had captains. I think I, and since it was our idea, I guess, and yeah. it's our trips, Al and I were captains and we had a vice captain. Um, so we stayed in the same condo together, and we set it up so people were kind of in tears because you don't want to have, like, you know, sure. yeah, yeah. scratch golf or playing against me. It just wouldn't be fun for me. Um, and then we would put the pairings out just like they do in the Ryder Cup. We played, I think it was best ball the first day. Might have been. And then, not that it matters, but best alternate ball, shot. choice, alternate yeah, shot, and then singles matches, yeah. Singles matches on in the rain again on day three. And we had a couple people quit that day, but huh. yeah, they gave in that day. They couldn't take three days of it. But it's a lot of golf. It was it's, a lot of golf. Oh, it was so much fun though. But it still wasn't enough. I mean, <laughs> I've had trips where literally I've um, done thirty six, thirty six, thirty six, <laughs> and couldn't hardly walk at the end. I of bet. It. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's an added bonus for both of us. <laughs> we both have bad backs. Both have bad backs, and Al is much better at. The, the maintenance of his back. Uh, he's actually convinced me to go to a chiropractor now, and I put ice on my back every day now because of him. Mm. But the first, the first time we were back in the, the room and he's laying face down on the bed with ice on his back, I'm like, dude, are you okay? He said, man, it's just maintenance. Like he wasn't like injured. It was just, this is what I got to do if I want to play tomorrow. Yeah. That's how I got to be, yeah. And you go through that, right, when you love something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how, how did the love develop? I mean, for for for, either, for both you guys, uh, for for golf specifically, 
Like, how did it get to be where you could play? Th- what, what do you like about it so rounds? much? I mean, what gets you to go to the second eight team in a day? Can you describe what's pulling you? Uh, golf is a game to me. Golf is a game of imperfection. You're always chasing perfection. You're always it never. It's never the same. Your swing is never the same. Your putting is never the same. You can play the same course, and you never get that same lie. You're not in the same position. It's all. It always changes. So, I, I'm the type of guy who who tries to perfect things. So golf is like that thing that I can't quite get a grab of. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing for me. It's like, oh, one day, one day, I'm just gonna keep trying <laughs> until I get it. You know, and it and I know I never will, but. It, it's fun just thinking, hey, when I step up here to the first tee, I got an opportunity to to play my slate. best that I've ever played. Because yeah. what happens is you play a hole and you play it great. You play two holes, you play it great. You play the third hole, you play it great. And in your mind, you're like, I just got to keep doing this 15 more times. Uh, doesn't quite happen like that. But it always keeps you coming back. Mm. That, it's just that type of thing. Hit, hitting a good shot. Mm-hmm. I, I and, and, and let me let me be very brutally honest. I said seventy five earlier. That's true. That's back when I actually played a lot. I went through a. You, you ever seen Charles Barkley swing a golf club? Mm-hmm. He stops halfway down. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did that. I went through a, a phase where it's called a hitch, and I would get Charles Barkley's thing is more than a hitch. It is. So mine yeah. wasn't that bad. Kevin was not. A Charles Barkley thing. It was just kind of a mid-swing stop. Yeah, and like I'd get up again. top and I couldn't pull the trigger, and it got so bad. I remember it was I was playing a local course, probably the fifth hole. I, I just I don't know who I was playing with. I said, I'm, I'm I can't play anymore. It's so frustrating because it's such a fun game, but when you get to the point where that's happening and you can't control it, it's all up here, I guess. Um, it is all up there, and yeah. so you, you so you have to work through it, which I've been able to do. Um, by and it's funny, you know, I watch people and. When Tony Finau is one of my guys that I watch on, on tour all the time. He's got a very short backswing. And that's the way I cured, hmm, knock on wood, mine is the shorter backswing so I don't get up here and get hung, hung up. up yeah. And Al, go ahead and tell it when we were at Providence. Yeah, we were, so <laughs> he hadn't seen it yet. We're playing this round, and Kevin's told me about it. I have not seen this, right? And um, we're on the 18th hole. And Kevin's, he's, he steps up. He's teeing off before me. And Kevin gets to the top of his swing, and he just is, like, frozen. And I'm like, what is wrong? Are you okay? <laughs> Are you he's, having a stroke? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. He, he backs up, and he does it again. I'm like, seriously, what is wrong? And I, the sheer frustration on his face. Yeah, I bet. It made me feel bad for him. It was funny as hell, too, though. I'm not going to lie. I felt bad for him, but it's, it was funny, yeah. too. So, um, it, yeah, I, it's it's one of those things where it's like you see people go through that. And we're competitors, so we compete against each other all the time. Um, but that that was tough. I mean, that that's a tough one to stick with it on because I, I couldn't imagine going – Going through that piece, but it's uh, it's, it's an ongoing problem. Because like, here's the funny thing: it's not funny. <laughs> Every time I go, I'm worried about it. It's in the back of my mind, right? So you go to the range, you start hitting. It's not 
it's not not in the forefront of my mind. It's, it's pretty far in the back, unless I'm playing with my buddy Baylor, who likes to remind me of it because he thinks it's funny. Right. Um, but you know, you have to get into a like I, I threw my back out a couple of years ago for our trip, mm-hmm. and I it, it had gotten to the point where I could swing a club the first day of the trip. But I went over to the range and started trying to get loose on myself up, and it came back. And I think it was one of those things because I wasn't thinking about it at all. You know, one of those things mm-hmm. where if you don't think about it, it happens. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about my back. And all of a sudden, it came back. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And it, it's, it can ruin a golf trip. You know, don't get me wrong. I love the camaraderie. I love playing. And I work through it. But, you know, you want to play. You want to play well. And for us, playing well just means, you know, we, we have that goal of breaking 80 or, or break whatever it is. And, and that's my goal right now is to get back to where I can break 80. So if you don't, you know, you have something to shoot for the next time you play. If you do, what's the next goal, right? It's... It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Was that worse than when I was shanking all my chips? Oh, man. Al, so once again, another golf trip up in Pennsylvania. He, and, and you know, I'll tell you from the spectator's point of view, from a playing partner's point of view, he, um, little chips, I mean, literally could be from here to that wall, which for people listening is probably 15, 20 feet. The 24 that are left. Yes, <laughs> now there's 23. Yeah. He would just go to chip it, and he'll explain this, but it would shoot that way. And this is a guy who can play golf. I mean, is, this it, is, like, is this the swing direction or is this the toe of the club? That you're... I, I had no idea what it was. All I know, I would swing the club and it would literally go it, it would go 90 degrees opposite of where I was aiming. That's, that's as maddening as you stopping your backswing. Yeah, yeah I, had, I had no idea. Um, the only fortunate thing, by the time that happened, we probably had three holes left. But, I mean, there was at one point where <laughs> I ended up in a bunker. And I think I took my hybrid and just rolled it out because I couldn't play a regular bunker shot. It was pretty bad. I mean, it was it was crazy because I could step up and hit a driver, but I could not hit a chip. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? That's golf. That seems, is golf. Seems though. really mental. Yeah, oh. it is. It is. It, it it really is. But what Kevin is saying is just one of those things that stays in your head. That it it's back there, mm-hmm. uh, and before every round, I'm like, okay. I'm chipping okay. I'm chipping okay. Okay. We're cool today, you know. Um, but when it happens, every once in a while you get that shank shot, and it's like, oh, please don't let that – don't let that bad day be back, man. Please, no. But, you know, we we know – we on a, go back to your cousin who's really good and played play on a I tour. mean, he's good for me. Like, whenever I'd go up there – what's, what's his name, Daniel? His name's DJ Lance. DJ Lance. Shout out to DJ. Yeah. Right. So he was pretty probably pretty good. If you ever think you're good at golf, go watch a tour. A tournament on the tour. We've got, I've gone to several of them. It's, it's almost like they're machines. It's a different game. Yeah. So it, you're talking under eighty. Like what? What are scores that happen on the tour? Sixties. Uh, yeah. Sixty-three is amazing. Well, yeah. Right? I mean, sixty-three is the if you if you know, and do you think that the pros have, are, are subject to these the same like yes. ticks that you guys ran into? Yes, they are. Probably at a at a different level, mm-hmm. right? But but they go through the same kind of things. I mean, obviously. They're not going to hitch like I do or, or maybe have chips like Al does, but on um, their putting. I mean, they, dude, those guys are so superstitious. They changed putter. I think they, uh, there was a guy last week, it might have been Dustin Johnson, who actually won the tournament. I think he brought like six or seven putters with him to that tournament trying to figure out which one he <laughs> would feel most confident with that day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a maddening game. Those guys definitely earn, <laughs> earn every bit of money they, they win because – it's crazy, but it's it's so much fun. I can't wait play wait to play again. All right, so y'all want to start a podcast, and you're going to talk about sports or golf or 
What are we talking about here? I, I think originally it was golf, right? And, and it was a TV show. Um, that was our idea. We had a 30-minute TV show, and we would, <laughs> we would exchange in ideas. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's have a third of it be funny little vignettes that we do out on a golf course. A, a third of it be, you know, where would you go on a golf trip where we might go to that place and, like, cover it and show, show people, hey, this is a great place to go. Here's why. Here are the three best holes on this course, stuff like that. Um, and then the other third would be, I think if I remember correctly, either fashion or something around golf that day or that week. You know, the Tiger win a tournament last weekend. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, I think that was the original premise. That's right. But and then we changed. talked about adding other sports to it because, yep. I mean, with everything else that's going, that was going on pre-COVID, you know, we watched a bunch of other sports. So it was, hey, given our perspective on other sports and stuff like that, it the the idea was really just to give kind of a, a sports junkie or yep. the weekend golfer perspective on golf and other sports. Guys just talking to guys, ladies yep. as well, that are, you know, just into sports and giving it not from a professional broadcaster perspective, but from from guys that, that are still living that dream, if you will. Um you know, it, it it's and kind of sharing the things that that we go through and think about and and we know that people can relate to. I mean, uh, be honest, I, I I gave up my rec league basketball career because I don't want to get my finger jammed. Right. I don't want to twist the ankle so I can go play golf. I yeah. mean, it's it's a crazy thing to say, but I think there are other people out there like that. Uh, you know, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I think they can relate to that. You know. Yeah. Um, so that was the idea, and just to keep it fun, um, because you know you, you watch certain golf shows, and it just it kind of seems uptight and and almost too formal. And we just wanted to keep it loose and fun, and just relate to anyone out there that just love to play. And I yeah. think historically, golf is uptight, right? And I yeah. think it comes across that way to a lot of just normal people. Um, and we're hackers. We admit it. We know that. We're, we're not, you know, thinking we're going to be on the tour at any time. We, we just love it so much. We want to share that with people and hear about their love for it, too, right? I mean, because it's so many people play golf that you would never expect. Um, I've come across people, I'm sure you have, too, that, oh, wow, you play golf, too? You know, and then it turns into either a friendship or, or you play golf with them or just mm-hmm. a discussion. And it's just so much fun. It's not... Right. Um, it, I will say this, growing up, it's, it's hard to, it's easier now, but I never even thought about playing golf growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't even cross my mind. Golf, no, really? Either. I mean, that's not something that, I think, I think I played for the first time when I was like 17 or 18. Yeah, I was 18, 19. Yeah. yeah. So now, I mean, my, my 12-year-old, when he was seven, played in a tournament. I mean, that's unheard of oh. back then, and I was his caddy. It was one of the funnest <laughs> days ever, um, and he should have won, and he knows he should have won. He, he's mad about it to this day, um, but, yeah. Golf he had was, a bad caddy. He did, and I, and I admit that, um, and I, if I went into the details on how he lost the <laughs> tournament, you, you'd feel bad for him too, but um, he's good. He's got a good swing, so I, I'm not going to drop names again, but a guy we used to work with at Capital One. I didn't know you were a Capital One guy until today. Um, what, I, what's Capital One? Uh, it's some uh, bakery, I think, downtown. <laughs> bakery, okay. I, so used to, I used to cook for them. That's a good name for bakery. Um, Capital One Cheesecake. But he was a golf pro. 
And so I, my oldest son is Brody, and I said, hey, my dad said, hey, you want to give him lessons? And I'm like, yeah, why not? So we paid for four lessons, and he still to this day does those main things. He'll keep that arm straight, feet, which is fun to watch. He doesn't play as much as he used to, and you've seen him play. Mm-hmm. I think my middle son is probably, Briggs is probably the one that, because Al, and can I tell that story real quick? Yeah. Or maybe you tell it. When we came to to the hollows, no, day. you tell us your dad. You tell a story. Uh, well, okay, that so, is your dad. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to. Yeah, well, yeah, I do. I do want to brag on my kids. So, Brody and I came to play. Well, let's, let's back up. Brody's your oldest. Brody's my oldest. Briggs <laughs> is middle. He's seven, and at the time he was six. And then Bo is my my youngest. How, how many sons did you have to have before you ran out of uh, B boy names? Quite a few, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> my wife Angel. Uh, all of her siblings started with an A. So right. now we're on the bees. Yep, and now we're in the bees. So and your grandkids will have to. They're going to have to be seen. Yeah, there we go. So once it gets you know down a queue, we could be <laughs> in a problem. But I won't be around for that. Um, so I had taken Brody and Briggs. Briggs never got lessons. He's a lefty to play ton tons of times just because you know they liked it. So I was happy about that. And we go play the hollows. We'll let them play for free. Oh, nice. So hey, yeah. So I call Al. Say hey, come on out. and We'll play. And he had think he had seen Brody play, but maybe not. And so Briggs hops out, and he loves Al, so he jumps in the cart with Al right away, and they go over to the range. And me and Brody go in, buy drinks, pay, whatever. When I get out there to the range, or it will come up, Al's looking at me like, what the? I said, what? And Briggs is behind him just spiking one after another right up the middle. He's got this really, I mean, you can. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous for a kid to have not had any lessons to swing a club that effortlessly. Mm. I told Kevin, I'm like, you you need to really, really chase this dream with this kid because, I mean, it it was amazing to me. It's amazing to watch. I'm serious. We just got to, to like watch the, this kid swing a club. And it's not just me that thinks it. It was people on the course would literally stop and watch him hit his shots. How old is Briggs now? Seven. Well, we got to about the 14th hole and he comes over and Briggs and Brody. And Briggs is just clueless about it. He, he doesn't think, oh, well, I'm good. He's, He's seven, just like yeah. having fun. So they're over there teeing off, and Briggs hits another good shot because he hit the fairway almost every tee shot. Yeah. And Al looks at me and goes, how old is he again? And I say, six. He goes, well, you need to do something. <laughs> and I say, what do you mean I need to do something? He says, I don't know what you need what, to do, but you need to do something. What's, what's Tiger's dad's name? That was it Al? Earl. 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 You, you yeah. need to become Earl Woods. Uh, yeah, exactly. I tell you, though, there's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Taking their attention away from sports right now, it's crazy. It's hard. It's yeah. Well, you know, oh, keep, keeping them. But at the same time, I don't want to force him to do it, and I don't. He likes to play, so we'll see how that goes. As long as he keeps liking it, then yeah, yeah keep exactly, yeah, exactly, no doubt. All right, so podcast around golf, maybe around sports. You're gonna have some guests on, maybe, maybe it's just the two of you from time to time. Depending, I learned this because I I hadn't even listened to podcast up until what Daniel. Five six months ago, mm-hmm. and now now I'm doing one. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, uh, the, what we're doing now is an episode. So all the episodes combined equal a podcast. Um, and so some of your episodes, it sounds like you're going to give overviews from the weekend kind of thing. Maybe what happened in uh, golf that weekend. Sometimes you'll bring on amazing guests like me. Correct. To talk about shit. Right yeah. there. Um, and then you, you can. You can kind of do whatever you want to do with it. It's whatever floats your boat and whatever you guys uh, agree to do. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, getting it done 
This is easier for me than it is for Daniel, I think, at this point, because Daniel's the, uh, the technical guy. I'm the, uh, the guy that lines people up, and then we both figure out where we want to go. And the guest really drives for us what happens. For you guys, it's going to really depend on what you guys want to do. Got it. it can be guest-oriented or it can be uh, topic-oriented kind of thing, or, or both. So do we want to talk about real quickly what we did to get this started? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can give you guys some high-level advice, too. Uh, but, yeah, we, we basically uh, looked up podcast starter packs. Which, Google's pretty powerful. Which, right. yeah, I mean, if you just... In fact, you don't really need us to tell you shit. You just, <laughs> how to start a podcast Google. on Google. Yeah, Google is, is actually really helpful. And so we got these uh, starter packs. You know, it's the, the boom stand, the mic, the wires, and the headphones. And then, uh, so we got four, because we thought we might have four, which we do today. And then we got this, this thing's called a mixer, which what, takes... What, what do I call it? I call it a motherboard. The motherboard the or the main I've, I've, I've made that up. It. Nobody ever calls it. I like it. So you need, you need a mixer so that um, it, it takes the feed from all the mics, you can mess with the volumes, and then it outputs it into your computer, which is what you use to actually record uh, the audio. And then you need uh, to be able to hear yourself as you're recording so you know what it sounds like uh, during the actual podcast. So that's, that's the basics of the, of the hardware that you need is like it's all in front of you. Um, and total cost is probably around 1200 bucks. Yeah. Other than the laptop. Yeah, besides the laptop. Uh, and, and one of the things you'll see online a lot is really invest in your sound equipment um the whole like you don't need a really fancy software package Mo- there's free software that you can just record sound with but the, the 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 microphones need to be solid uh for it to be a good sounding podcast so invest in the hardware up front uh and then <clears throat> you'll you'll need to also set up the actual like feed so every podcast has what's called an rss feed which i still don't know what that means yeah, I don't know what it stands for. Uh, RSS is kind of a technology from like, I, I don't know, a couple decades ago, but it, it's still used for things like podcasts and sometimes news. And so you, you have to set it up and there are services out there that help you do that. And that's another thing to Google is like, look look at all the services out there and put them side by side and, and decide which you know provider you want to do. So, so that's where you'd put your audio files, the episodes, um, and it would publish them out into the world and connect them to like iTunes and and Google Play and and all those things. So uh, there's sort of the hardware side, and then there's like the hosting it and publishing it side, and both of those need to happen. Uh, so so at a high level, my advice is uh, start as basic with, with as basic as you can. Uh, of, of, an, of an implementation you guys don't have to like rent out a movie studio and get video cameras and have a whole production crew or anything like that start audio is what, get, what you're saying start mm-hmm. yeah uh, start small and then increment uh, start, start small and then identify a source of feedback so that could be your friends or anybody in the, in the, in the golf community and then <clears throat> put something out there uh, and it, it can be crude it can be uh, really yeah, rough around the edges, uh, but the the key is just put something out there and then have your family and your friends and, and people in the golf community ask, like, give you feedback on what works and what doesn't. And then you iterate. And this is kind of a concept that I'm stealing from the software engineering 
practice, which is you, you get the what's called the MVP, so the minimum viable product. You do the minimum amount of work is required before uh, having something that you can actually throw out into the world. And then <clears throat> you got to measure the feedback so that you can actually implement that as you increment. So the first episode is going to be rough around the edges. You might get some more feedback. And then the second episode, you might change some things and then see how that, how that lands. And, you, you know, you can start with like once a week or once a month even and, and just keep it as simple as possible. Assume the least uh, and then build slowly from there. Uh, if you really want it to be something that's, you know, trying to attract a lot of attention, I think you might have to play more games with like how to, how to market and how to, and we're still trying to learn that ourselves. Yeah. You're kind of asking like, you know, the high school dropouts on for advice on how to do homework, but (laughs) in that regard, but, uh, that, come on, man, we're, we're freshmen in high school. We haven't dropped out. We're freshmen. Yeah. I guess we're we're still grinding. Um, but there's like a whole, but we're having fun. Actually, what we're doing now, recording, is is the most fun for us. There's some work that has to happen before and after. We were using right? a GoPro, so we're ready to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We get it. Boom. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a whole meta game about you know getting it out there and building a, a listenership and keeping track of that listenership, and that's something Paul and I are very much trying to figure out. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my advice in a nutshell. Thank you. Yeah, and I think <laughs> Daniel loves it when I do this. If you guys make the investment in the hardware and and a laptop that's combat, compatible to do this, I think we, we can help you get it going cool. initially. And then once it gets going, then you're on your own until you call us back to be on your I was getting ready to say, you know that means you, you have to be guests on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, pro- no problem. I'm thinking like 20% equity. <laughs> wow. Well, you, yeah, know, you know what 20% equity of our podcast gets you? <laughs> Freaking nothing. Well, negative. If you invest us, you just have to keep giving us money. Before you come on our podcast, though, we have to go play golf. We oh, do have correct. A, a foursome yes. right here. I, I haven't played in a while. Daniel, That's, have you ever played? Uh, no, not in any serious way. I can't even, I can't even hit it. Uh, <laughs> I, I've had depth perception issues ever since I was oh, a little that's, kid. Yeah. And you'd think that it would be not that hard to hit a ball that's not moving but it's actually kind of tough and uh i don't know how mental it is and how biological it is because uh, i don't have any depth perception so i have hit a, a good shot a few times before um and and my girlfriend played golf all through high school uh she's probably the one who should play in the foursome and you can just tag along i would just caddy. You just be yeah there. I, I, i'll caddy i think that'd be great all right yeah let's do it well, everything you just said pretty much you know describes us as well. Yeah, <laughs> trying to hit the ball, it's not moving. We don't do a <laughs> very good job. Perception. Of that. What's that? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Well, usually your two eyes kind of combine to make uh, give you a, an idea of how far away something is, and my eyes actually don't work together in the same way. So I only get like the one image. So I when when things are moving fast or flying around. It's like it's harder for me to to gauge how wow. far away things wow. are, so that's just something I got to work with, you know. Just like you guys have your bad backs. Oh yeah, d- man, d- cracking on the old guys. <laughs> okay, I, I might get a bad back too. I'm going to talk too soon. It's coming for sure. Yeah, someday. Yeah, we talk about your three boys. You have two daughters. Yeah. I have two daughters. Yep, um, Ava and Madeline, uh, both great girls, great students, uh, both softball players. Um, I spend most of my time playing taxi for those girls, yeah. running them back and forth to 
lessons and games and tournaments, but uh, really good softball players. Nice. How old are they? Thank you. Uh, oldest one, Ava, is thirteen. Will be fourteen next week, and my youngest, Maddie, uh, she's ten. Will be eleven in a month. Awesome. Yeah. Is that a Fourth of July baby? She is the next week, the week after. Yeah. Uh, well, was she born on the Fourth of July? The tenth. The tenth. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah the fourth is a Saturday. Kevin's birthday is on the Fourth of July. Yeah. Oh no way! Yes yeah. yeah, way! Yeah. yeah, all those fireworks. That's me. That's all. How about for that? me? It's for Kevin. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. actually not about Independence Day. Yeah. Someone told me that earlier in my yeah. life, and I was like, "No, that's not true." <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> y'all, can, you, y'all can think that if you want. Are y'all going to come back on individually? Sure, I would love well, to. I know, I, I know you are, and I hope you would we'll love too, to. Al. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very cool. I'm not, I'm not that a, interesting, but yeah, we've got a lot of lies we can tell. Does it matter if what we say is the truth? Uh, only to you. Oh no. Well, you hey. have a good one then. Well, <laughs> D- Daniel, Daniel is an Eagle Scout. It may ma- matter to Daniel. Uh, okay. Well, he don't know if it's the truth or not. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. We just won't tell him. Like the night I almost punched Mike Tyson in Las Vegas. I don't know that story. You don't. Let's no, go. Sa- no, save it. Save All it right. for your episode. I didn't almost. Okay. I didn't we know this. Yeah. Were you within 100 feet of him? I shook his hand. You know, let's talk a little sports here. You and, shook Mike Tyson's hand? Yeah. So we were at, uh, it was actually my bachelor party. I, I almost blew past it. I, I was out there. You were there. For, for the, so yeah. we were at the Hard Rock, or, and some of us were ready to leave. It's yeah. like 3 a.m. to go to the next place, not to go <laughs> back to the hotel. What year was this? 2004. Because Hurricane Ivan. Yeah. 2004. I should know this because I got married that year. Yes, you should. So, uh, yes, Angel, 2004. Um, <laughs> October 9th. Because she's still married. listening. Yeah, she, yeah right. <laughs> like, she's going to listen at all. Um, she, got, no, she actually she, might. she got to the boys mentioned and then she was done. She, yeah, well, she, yeah, that's probably true. Um, so, anyway, we're, we're waiting, and we see a little congregation of people moving, and somebody yelled, it's the champ or something. And I, I could see him. I could see the top of his head. I was like, that's Mike Tyson. <laughs> So and, and it's moving this way. So I ran. I said, hold up, guys. I ran around to get in his path. And so now it's like six of an entourage. He's, he's retired at this point. Yeah, but he was still, he, he had the tattoo on his face. Yeah. And he was still Mike Tyson. So what, what is that, 15, 16 years ago? Yeah. And he's probably, what, 53 he's, he's 53. Now? So he's yeah. late 30. He could still, well, <laughs> he could always kick my butt. But so he's walking towards me, and there's a, a smaller guy in front of him with an earpiece on. He let me walk right up to him. I went right up to him. Hey, what's up, Mike? And he shook my hand, and I swear to you, it felt like he wanted to hang out. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> Maybe he did, yeah. you know, a normal guy. Yeah. But, but Please was, tell me where you're going. <laughs> These people I got to get away from these people. people. Yeah. But it was cool. My, my buddy said, you should have punched him. You'd have been on the news and been famous. I said, yeah, but I'd be dead. You would be dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think it's worth it. It's definitely not. Like the question back in the day when he was doing his thing in the late '80s through, I guess, the mid '90s, really. Um, would you get in the ring with him for a round? Right. And I'm like, have you seen him fight? Yeah, right. I'm not no. getting in the ring with him. No. Are why you would crazy? you do that? Yeah. And apparently, he's been working out like yeah. mad. Yeah, I saw that recently. And, and he's going to fight Evander. That's what I hear. I don't know if Evander, I, Evander doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Evander. Evander didn't lose the ability to hear because his earlobe. You were at your house that day for that fight. Oh man, that was that was crazy. Bit his ear off. Did wow. you know that? No. A fifty-three-year-old dude, and I think what's Evander? Fifty-five. Yeah, a little older. Like yeah, fifty-three-year-old and fifty-five-year-old who fought two or three times back in the day yep. are going to fight again. 
Wait, so what, what they're was all, it? They're older than me. Where, where did the ear getting bit off happen? <laughs> in, the, in the last fight, right? Right, so, so Holyfield's a, a bit, well, I'm not going to call him a better boxer than Tyson, but he was frustrating him that fight, right? I, th- I would say he was probably he had a good game. He had a good game. Tyson right? thought he was headbutting, or that's what he claimed. That's true, that's yeah. true. That's a good point. But, he, he, but Evander was winning the rounds. Yes, he was. And, he, and it was a They were in a clinch, uh-huh. and his ear was right there. And Spit he bit, the mouthpiece out. He, he, mm-hmm. was, and he bit his ear. I think he did it twice, right? I don't know. Uh, he did it once, but he, he, it looked like he was trying, trying to do it that. again. Yeah. Yeah. Took a pe- big chunk out of his ear. Yeah. Well, what, Evander Holyfield is missing part of his earlobe because Mike Tyson bit it off. Bit it off. I yeah. feel like you should just you should uh, lose the round or something for that. Uh, I the think fight was over. That didn't take Yeah. It was once they found the piece happened. of the ear. Oh, because he spit it out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you said you want to talk about sports. We can talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. So, but but. So when I was listening to to Booney Grimes, shout out to Booney. Shout out to Booney. Craig Grimes. Booney doesn't really need shout outs. Well, he worked at the uh, the, uh, bakery the bakery as well. We go with bakery. Um, <laughs> it's a giant bakery. The it's bakery. a big bakery. It was very small at first, though. <laughs> um, it was a smaller bakery, right? But listen to y'all. Did you ever finish watching The Last Dance? I haven't seen episode uh, nine. So you you just for so some reason past nine I, I didn't I didn't intentionally skip past it. The lo- uh, what is it on demand or whatever yeah. through Directv. I it didn't show nine, but it showed ten when ten was ready, and I listened or watched ten, and I haven't gone back to watch nine. I, I don't know what I've missed. I saw one through eight and ten. I think you missed. I think you missed the because the last episode was when they beat Indiana in '98, and then the final was the, was maybe nine when they beat Indiana yeah, and Reggie I, Miller, and then the last one was the Utah series. I don't remember, but it was so man. What a Kevin riveting. will stay up till four o'clock tomorrow morning talking about this one topic. Ah. Uh, I was a. I, it, it was all. I, I didn't like the Bulls. I I, I like Jordan's game. I didn't like the fact that he went to Carolina. The Chicago Bulls. Who gives a rip? I mean, Chicago felt like a different planet. Um, but what they were able to accomplish, you had to give, give the man respect. And we talked about this off recording. And Booney, I think, had mentioned it on his episode. I mean, Jordan, the day LeBron in 2016 had won in Cleveland for the first time, or the uh, the only time. Basically said, I think I, you can now agree or argue that I'm the goat. That day, George said, uh, "Let's put go ahead out. and put it. Let's put it out. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's remind everybody who I who I but, was." But that's a, see, here's the cool thing about Jordan to me. There's a lot of cool things about him. There's a lot of things that are that are sketchy. I think you guys mentioned that if social media had been around back then, right. Jordan wouldn't probably, have got, he wouldn't have gotten to four, five, and six. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, a, lot, and, a lot of players would have been in trouble. Uh, oh, for yeah. sure. Right, but. He never. Whenever I've heard him asked, "Who's the greatest player?" Because you're not going to ask him. He always deferred or, or or deflected the questions as, "Eh, you can't really judge the different eras." And you know, who who's to say I'm better than Wilt Chamberlain? It's, you know, he changed the game, all that stuff. But to hear, and I was a big LeBron guy, and I still think LeBron's great. He's an amazing, he's an amazing athlete. athlete, amazing basketball player. But for him to to come out and say, "Well, I'm I'm the goat now," I was like, "Oh." That's yeah. that's the same part of LeBron's brain that did that. We're going to win one, two, three, four, whatever yeah. championships in Miami. The decision, right? Yeah. But but that's also a different. It's a different era, and 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 kids growing different up playing generation. AAU, yeah. yeah. And and let's be honest, the guy was was on Sports Illustrated cover at sixteen, yeah. I think, yeah. And he's got the chosen one tattooed on his back. I mean, I, he he was he was Zion before Zion was born. <laughs> Zion, right? yeah. For 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 his flaws, if you will. LeBron has lived up to what everybody 
proclaimed him to be. Right? Surpassed him, probably, if you can. Yeah. yeah, he lived up to the hype, and the yeah. hype was extreme. Mm-hmm. He did, but you know, it's fun. It's it's a different world today, though, man. I tell you, I just the <laughs> I watch a show on ESPN, the Skip and Shannon show, and, and not because I like Skip and Shannon, just but it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon loves LeBron, Skip loves Jordan because Skip covered Jordan back in the day, and the whole time that last dance was coming on every day. They'd just be sniping at each other. He's the goat because Shannon calls him the goat, calls LeBron the goat. Yeah. And it was just entertaining to watch and just hear all the different ways that they would attack each other with the argument. And then they'd bring other people in. Usually Skip had more people saying Jordan's a goat than LeBron or then Shannon had LeBron. There's a few that's, that say that. But the, the, the conversation, and then we would talk about it because he's a, you're a LeBron you, guy. Yeah, you know how I feel about it. I, look, Jordan to me is the goat. I also feel like LeBron, when you look at just the physical specimen LeBron is, that's the way he moves at his size is unreal. It's unmatched. Is there, yeah. is there, is there any hope for LeBron to ever get to be GOAT? Or is, did, is he kind of like past the peak? It's, it's really hard in my opinion. He, I mean, look, he's amazing. The championships he's won, he's the – clearly the re- the big reason uh and jordan did have scotty you could argue lebron at times has had an equivalent to scotty but scotty's the second best player to ever be on a basketball team in my opinion um for championship teams jordan won three leaves to play baseball for a couple seasons and then wins three again mm-hmm. lebron's never going to be able to do that no no right it, what's his record in, in championship series he's like three and six yeah yeah. I mean, he's been the nine, which is amazing. It right? is amazing. Yeah, would it go to seven straight? Yeah, Six something straight, crazy. Seven straight. But you know, the argument there is the East is the least, right? I mean, yeah. he's winning the East every year. It was like uh, ho hum. Yeah, I know. I, but you, you still gotta. You gotta you, win it. You gotta, you gotta, gotta do it. it. You gotta climb the mountain each you time. Do it. But to your point, though, it I, I, personally, I think if he wins one with the Lakers, or I, I think he'd have to win two with the Lakers. It would move him up. Uh-huh. Significant because then he's done it with three different teams, um, three different sets of players. Obviously, uh, it would. But to, in my eyes, no. No, he, <laughs> he can't. To me, he can't match Jordan. What I will say though, I will take that Cleveland championship he won. That that's one of the most impressive. Yeah, I agree with that. That's one of the most impressive wins ever. Well, the block that he had is one of the best plays I've ever seen yeah. at the end yeah, against yeah. Iguodala. But yeah. keep in mind, and I know Pippen, I agree with you. His name rhymes with flipping, so I've always liked Pippen. <laughs> no. um, oh, great player, right? But Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love are no slouches, right? It's not like, it's not like LeBron was out there. The first time he was in the finals, he was out there by himself. Mm-hmm. Pretty well, they, much. They swept by the Spurs. Right? He got swept, but I mean, yeah. just making it to the finals with that team was incredible. Like Iverson making it with mm-hmm. Philly. Yep. But, you know, I mean... Kyrie Irving hit the shot to win that series. Right. Kyrie Irving is a bad dude. I don't think I've ever seen anybody with handles that guy has. And that's saying something. Yeah. But they were also down. How many? What were they down in that series? They were series? down 3-1, and Draymond got suspended. Even and who knows what would have happened if he'd have played. Look, I agree with you. But down 3-1 to Golden State. There's really yeah, – you know, Golden would, State, you're not supposed to lose. I don't – you're not supposed to lose that series. And Golden State had won what one or two before that. One before that, I think. One before, and then they then Cleveland, then they won two more, or just one. Yeah, they did yeah. with Durant. I think yeah. they won one before, and then they lost that one. Then it was go get Durant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we that's another 
subject for. I, I've never been a. I like Kevin Durant. I think he's unbelievable. They all are unbelievable. But I saw that guy play in uh, the Seagull Center in high school, um, and you, even then, you're like, he's six eleven. And can do that? I mean, it's just made no sense to you. I mean, the Kevin Garnett's of the world, yeah, that's great. But Durant took it to another level. Mm-hmm. The ability to shoot, no one can guard him. But for him to to almost beat Golden State in Oklahoma City right? and then go join them, ah, I just, you know, it is what it is, man. Well, he won two well, titles. Well, but LeBron started that, right, with his I don't know. You could, to go to Miami. Would you say he started or Paul Pierce, Garnett, and Ray Allen? Built that super team, maybe was that? A, I know they won won a championship. But was that really a super team? Yeah. I, I, I can't let Durant off the hook. I can't even say anybody else started that. I mean, Golden State had already won seventy three games. Yeah, yeah and yeah. You, that's the team you go join. It's like the same team you had down three one yourself, right? The year before, I, it's just no. Nah. I thought players got shipped around uh, by the teams that they were on. I didn't know that they had their own agency in the process. It, it used to be that way. Like they, I know they, have, I was, they have agency now. They have more stroke than uh, you can imagine. Yeah. Almost more than the team in a lot of cases, especially when you're a Kevin Durant, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's when we were growing up, gosh, I, I don't even think there was free agency, right? I mean, no. the, the people that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> were playing for the Pittsburgh That's Steelers the whole time. Yeah, exactly. yeah, um, you, there's no, yeah, maybe a trade every once in a while. Every once play, in a while. But now, you know, someone with LeBron's cachet could say, uh, you know what? Because he could just walk be, out and then yeah. another team would pick him up. Or he threatens to, right? And then kind of he has leverage, right? So they're just like, yeah. well, what do we do? That franchise that he goes to is making maybe – Billions of dollars mm-hmm. because he joins the team. Look at yeah. Cleveland, how they went. Oh, yeah. I, don't mean, I don't mean the franchise, the city. I mean, the, the economy yeah. that that guy brings in for uh, just Cleveland. And you can see it's a great example because he left and you saw what happened. And then he comes back and it just exploded again. And mm-hmm. of course, he left again. And I think everybody in Cleveland was like, yeah, we don't blame you. Thanks for the championship. <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah we, we got ours. We, we get one every 80 years or yeah. so. It's fine. And yeah. he's going to LA. You know, who's going to blame him? Yeah. I think Chappelle said that too. He was like, "Yeah, yeah. Cleveland's like, all right, see you later." <laughs> we I think Chappelle's it. from Cleveland, didn't he? I think he's, yeah. he's from, from Ohio. Ohio. He's from yeah. Ohio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a great segue. Oh yeah, you are we doing that now? Or should we do it on the individuals? We'll do it on the individuals. Okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, come on! I know what the question is. <laughs> we, we can do it. All right, if you want to answer it, you want to go first. Or you want Al to go first. I don't. Care. Al, do you want? Do you care? Well, I don't know the question. You, you don't even What's know what question? we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. What's up? This is great. Go ahead, man. I, I think we're gonna get two different answers. All right, so let's go, Al first. Um, w- would you rather uh, pursue a military career? Sorry, how would you say this? Enlist in the military? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Let's say enlist in the military or pursue a career in stand-up comedy. And you're 25, and you have no responsibilities in this scenario. Yeah, you're young, fit, and free of responsibility. Other than taking care of yourself. What would I choose? Enlist in the military or... Stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy. Kevin seems I would enlist in the military. One one more for my side. That was my prediction. All the VMI stuff, I kind of expected that. Well, looking back on it now, what I... 25, single, no responsibility... Hey, let's go travel the world. Let's let's go different places, see different things, fight for your country. Yeah. All that stuff. I mean, to me that makes sense. I 
everything I've ever heard about the stand-up comedy world. Ooh, yeah, it eats. I think it yeah. eats people up. Yeah, tough. Yeah, tough. And tough, the military, tough. it's a, there's a good case to be made for it. You know, building you up yeah. Uh, and yeah, giving you a lot of cool experiences. So yeah. and the camaraderie thing for yeah, sure. Uh, stand-up's very individual yeah. feeling. Right. Yeah. At least when you're on stage. And as I've gotten older, I, I try comedy on my wife, and I'll shout out Melanie. And she doesn't think I'm funny. So if she doesn't think I'm funny, I, I, I don't know. And she, lo- and she loves you. <laughs> yeah. But that's know. that's the wife, though, man. Because yeah. my wife, does, she she thinks I'm funny, but she doesn't laugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like, that's that's Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right, it is. But it's still funny. Yeah, it was funny. And, but, and she, they, want, they want control. Our wives want control. God, love them. They're, they're not going to give an inch. I'll kick, yeah, I'll kick my coverage to. for sure. Yes, All right. Did. All right. What, what's your answer there? Kevin? So my answer is two different things, actually. Um, at 25 years old, yes. I would have never tried stand-up comedy because I, I was way too anxious and nervous about talking in front of people. The bakery helped me um, get out of that. <laughs> bakery. Um, Back to the bakery. <laughs> Ten years later. There's a lot of public speaking at the bakery? It, well, there, well, it depends on what you call public speaking, right? So I went from never doing it ever in my life to... Like avoiding it like the plague, like the, the public speaking class in college. I ain't taking that. No way. Right. Um, to standing up in front of 400 people talking. You know, so that's, mm, that's a true. big step, right? So 35, stand-up comedy for sure. But okay. 25, I think I would have elicited for the camaraderie piece. I've always had a special feeling for people that, like yourself, who went into the military. I think that's so admirable. Mm. Um, and it's such a big commitment and step i mean you're putting your life on the line and there's no joke there there's no that's not going into the office you know and hoping you don't die you know on the way on 95 this is putting your life on the line every day for something you believe in so yeah that's that's always been something i've i don't regret not doing it but because who knows i might not have been made up for it you know i might not be that guy who could have made it through it but i think i could have i think it's a lot of mental um, strength that you probably have to have. I mean, yeah, it's like golf. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it feels like it sometimes when you're out there in that bunker. It's, it's in no way like golf. <laughs> no, it's I was not. Say, it's only one military man in here. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. No, it's all good. Yeah, uh, you could have done stand-up comedy. I remember some of the some of the. And, and this is not you know. If I had one and a half beers in me, at least, yeah. Paul, the meetings that you used to run at the bakery, I would make sure that I was coming. Even if I wasn't in, you know, the, the pastry section, I would make sure to show up because he was funny, man. He the would, bakery let me get away with some stuff. He's good in front of a crowd. Let's put it that way. So you could have awesome. done stand up comedy. I think could have done stand up comedy. Maybe it's a grind. It's hard. It's really hard to think about. That's awesome. The military is easier in uh, a lot of ways. Easier. It is in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, you. Have, I mean, think about it. If you're not funny. In front of, of a group yeah, of strangers. That terrible. Oh. Yeah, you were talking about go being flat vulnerable. pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, super vulnerable. I got yeah. dad jokes, man, so it's not going to be funny. You yeah, see? well, that, that's the hard part, right? So maybe, I'm, maybe I can be funny, but you've got to have good material, and nobody's writing material for you when you right. start out, right? Right, you're right. You're, you're being funny around what you're delivering, that's pretty easy, and, and maybe because you know the people and in the, the crowd And they can too. relate to you, you can relate to right. them, but you're going in cold to uh, people yeah. that don't I've know I've never you. tried it, yeah. I don't think I ever will. That's hard, man. Mm. Super hard. Daniel's gonna try it someday. Uh, are Paul, you? Paul keeps saying that. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm, think so. I'm gonna set up a little stage right over here, and we're gonna have yeah, just write some uh, jokes. 15, 20 people. No, I, I think I need a, uh, a ten year period, not unlike what Kevin had to shake off some of the nerves. <laughs> then I might a, try. That's it. a long shake off period. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, like you said, 35. But there, it can't be any fear. You listen to all the comedians talk. It's like a lot of them were bad early on. Yeah. And things didn't go well. They just kept at it. Yeah, Chris Rock, I mean, he would grind, <laughs> man, totally grind. And it, it, he turned it into a science almost. Yeah. But you got to yeah. love it, right? And, and I think they loved it. I think they knew from an early age that they were just like the whole Eddie Murphy the beginning of Raw when he tells the joke in front of his family. Obviously, that's not really him, but that's him, right? Yeah. And he wanted to do that forever. And the yeah. pull of making people laugh is so yeah. strong for them. And then the, the rare ones like Eddie Murphy or Dave mm-hmm. Chappelle are just so freaking Yeah, funny. you're just yeah. so talented with it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. too easy. It's like them just mm-hmm. breathing. I was thinking about getting my wife a laugh track for Father's Day. So, because it was going to be for me. So, you know, when she doesn't laugh at my jokes, just hit the button. Right. So I at least feel. Would you feel yeah. better about that? I, I think I would a little feel worse. It actually probably would make me worse. <laughs> a tomato will come in from the side. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. I'm not going to stop, though. Yeah. Good times. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad you could join us. I think we've been going about an hour. Yeah. So, and this thing actually doesn't tell me how long it's been. Um, I do like. But Kevin's going to tell us. 820. Yeah, so about an hour and a half. So that doesn't help. Yeah, we started well, a little before seven. I, I do before I, just because we're in a in a pretty unique time right now. I, I think it'd be cool to get both of y'all's perspective briefly on uh, what's been going on. You know, since the the George Floyd death um, today. Today is July first, and uh, in, I was the, just, in the craziest half year I've ever yes. experienced. Yeah, so we've entered the second half of. 2020 and today the stonewall jackson monument on the intersection of monument and and our thrash boulevard got taken down so yeah i just i guess you know y'all's thoughts on on what's going on and where we're at um i'll start i for me I, i want my kids to have perspective um and I'll go off track a little bit, even going back to everything that's going on with COVID. I, I want my kids to realize that they're living through history. Um, so my biggest thing is to get to make sure that they're off their tablets, they're off their phones, and they're paying attention to what's going on. Um, because kids, you know, un- unless you teach them history, unless you teach them an appreciation for even what's currently happening, the way kids are now, they can get lost so quickly because their head is down looking at a video about who knows what. So when that happened today, when the monument came down today, me and my kids were just watching it on the news. And and it just gives me opportunity to give my perspective to them as to what it means. Um, the other good part about it, we were at, um, we were at my, at their grandparents' house. So, they give even a more interesting perspective. Um, it, it's my biggest thing is the more you know, the more perspective you have, the more informed your decisions can be. Um, so, in light of everything that's happening, I just think the world is getting more perspective. And once you get more uh, perspective, it's kind of hard to to just let things be, to just let them, to just let the status quo be. Um, Kevin talked about stuff that's on Facebook. Um, and I'm not a big social media guy, but I have Facebook and I like to look on there sometimes. But one of the things, um, 
that I did recently, which actually surprised even me. Um, I had just watched a documentary again. It was called 13. And it was 13, just real quickly, is just based around um, kind of the, the easy way to say it is the plight of black men from slavery through Jim Crow to today. And it gives a very good perspective of mentality and why people think the way they think or, or, and, and what challenges are in front of black men. That, that's the whole idea, um, of that documentary. So I just kind of put out there, Hey, just watch this. Cause it gives perspective and hopefully what it does is it makes you think about something differently than what you than the way you've thought about it before. My wife talks all the time about one word in particular, and it's, um, it's tolerant. Well, I say one word is two. it's tolerance and empathy. And her thing is, look, we as a society have to become more tolerant and we have to become more empathetic to people other than us. It's comfortable just being around our own family, being around our own friends, people of the same opinion all the time. We have to be willing to listen, to understand that people have different perspectives. And what I saw today was, and what I've been seeing is, hey, there's this. There's always been this argument made about heritage uh, around the monuments, um, but I think what the protest and and the, the killing of George Floyd has brought about is let's let's pull that back and let's look at this through another lens. And I think people are realizing that hey, you may feel this heritage, but that's not how it affects me. Right. So if if you're true, if you truly love people, you love your neighbor, you're not going to want that pain inflicted on me. Um, So it's just great to see people of all stripes, all colors, all gender, all ethnicity, everything coming together and saying, hey, this is not what we stand for anymore. And we want to move forward together in a different path. So it, it was it was a really cool thing to see. That was uh, extremely well said, and I'm glad I'm not Kevin trying to follow that. Yeah, well, I just want to say real quick, the uh, the documentary you brought up, 13, mm-hmm. 13 or 13th, uh, I, th- I think it's free on YouTube right now, mm-hmm. if anyone's listening and wants to watch it. And it's based on a book called The New Jim Crow, which, like you said, it's, it's basically, it goes into the, the prison in- industrial complex. Right. And how that's sort of the, you know, in the war on drugs and how that was a manifestation yeah. of... of uh, it effectively took the place of slavery. Right. Yeah. So that, Jim Crow took the place of slavery and then the war on drugs and the over-incarceration mm-hmm. took the place of the yeah. Jim Crow laws. And, and so it's a really good book called The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, I think, which is awesome if you want to read that as well. So anyway, Kevin. So I'm glad you said that. I'm serious because I think that's that's one of the biggest issues and and God forbid I'm not speaking for white America as I put quotations in in the but I think what the three of us just did is what needs to happen more sit back and listen instead of worrying about 
one-upping somebody or right. how's it affect me, right? It, it, it's always, and, and don't get me wrong, we're all egotistical in, in our own way, right? The, the world revolves around all of us, right? We've got our families, we've got our friends, our jobs, our careers, all that good stuff. But bottom line is, and, and Alan and I have talked about this before, when I was in my mom's womb, I didn't have a multiple choice question given to me that said, well, what color do you want to be? I came out whatever color I am, and society says I'm a white guy. That doesn't matter to me, and it shouldn't matter to anybody. Al didn't say I want to be a black guy, right? So me being a white guy shouldn't make me feel like I'm better than anybody. But I get it. I see. I understand how this all evolved and how it's happened. Taking down history is not, and we talked about this earlier, we're making it better for everyone. Um, I I can't, I I saw a guy um, said, a a real good football player, and once again, I want to say his name, but he played at Lee Davis. And he said, going in every day as a Confederate, and he was a person of color, it it affected me. You know, and and I'm not going to sit there and complain about it. And and I'm thinking to myself, it probably would affect me as well. That was the mascot of Lee Davis. The still is, still yeah, is, still is. Yeah. What? Yeah, talk talk to somebody who moves from New York or New Jersey or Pennsylvania, and they come down to Eastern Hanover County, and their kids go to Lee Davis High School, and their kids their are kids Lee are Davis Confederates. Confederates. Yeah. And for people to push back on changing the name, look, you know, and I've heard all the excuses. You know, it costs money. It does this. I get okay. But this is about us being better as human beings, right? I mean, what, why are we celebrating something that at the time, is maybe the, it, was, it wasn't a negative connotation to it, but now it is. Look around. I mean, just open your eyes, open your ears. I, I have been lucky enough in my life to have really, really good friends of all races. Um, some of my best friends um, are people of color. And I've never looked at Al and thought, well, it's a black guy. We make jokes even with each other all the time. We made one when we first walked up yep. because we, we, you know, we're good buddies and it is what it is. We're not trying to, to demean anybody. We just love each other. Right. So the empathy that your wife talks about, I, if everyone had empathy in their heart, I don't think we'd be where we are today, but we're here. So we need to figure out how to, how to fix it. And I think we're the beautiful thing for me is to see so many people that aren't people of color joining in this time and saying enough is enough. And I, I, I applaud the effort. Um, I hope it doesn't. I think Chris Young, I listened to your podcast with him. Awesome. Him and his wife. I would love to meet them one day. Lauren's coming back on. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, and he had mentioned, you know, let's hope it's not like, you know, the... the what, fast food. Yeah, fast the, food. the yeah. chicken sandwich, I think, from Popeye's. It's like it was a fad and it was gone. Mm-hmm. Let's hope this is sustainable and it's going to be up to us yeah to sustain it um so and, and being friends with somebody like alice i call him all the time and, and and things happen on the the news or something will happen and i'll call him and go, man what in the world i'd love to get your i've sent him um like i don't want to i hate dropping names but people say things or have their own podcast or anything, and i send it to him and go i would love to hear your your perspective on this because I know what mine is, just listen to it. It kind of fired me up or whatever. I want to know what you think. So am I really, should I be fired up about this or not? And his perspective always calms me down, maybe to, to a point where I should be fired up, but calms me down and says, look, I get it. Here's a, here are the good things and the bad things. I'm not saying Al's the expert on everything, but to me he is. Um, 
All right. Nice. <laughs> On everything? Yeah. Not everything. Not everything. All right. Well, you should, like, you should, yeah, you should see him hit a chip shot. So not oh, everything. Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what, just for fun. Uh, a couple a couple of years ago, we were on a, on a and Al, if you can't see him, but Al's how tall are you? Six four. Six four. Six four. What? Two fifty. Two fifty. It's a big guy. I'm six two, buck eighty, and not a lot of muscle. And that's with several layers of clothes. Right. So, <laughs> I remember it, 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 what at the first round I was, and he probably wasn't playing that well, but I was out driving him, and we used to drive the ball about about the same. Yeah. But he's such a big dude, so he, I'm sure in his head he's like what. We were the second hole on Saturday. It, it, it was a hole of uphill par four. You'll remember this. And he hit his drive, and I hit mine fast. And, and he got down and started doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, don't worry. That's not going to And it didn't continue, but it made me feel, you know, I stood up a little bit uh, straighter. Yeah, I, had to, I had to get my workout on. Something wasn't right. I had to fix that. Yeah. You, had to, you had to build your muscles. Yeah, out, real quick. Yeah, that's the only way I knew. Yeah, and and I might not be like an expert expert, but in terms of you know the experience of being black, you know you're the third grader and he's Michael Jordan. You know, yeah, that's true. That's the daggone yeah, truth. That's that's a great way to put For it. Sure, that's a great way to put it. I think also is is perspective. Again, growing up in Georgia, rural South Georgia, um, uh, we talked about it before we got on the air about the Confederate flag. I saw it every day. It was part of the Georgia State flag. Obviously, going to the Virginia Military Institute, uh, my whole college experience was based around the Civil War, yeah. essentially. Um, so yeah, it, those Confederate names were everywhere. Yeah, it, it's it, like I said, it, it's perspective, and you kind of got to put things in their place. Um, it's and I'm not one to rewrite history. History is history, but you know. The question had to be asked: Do do we really need a monument to Stonewall Jackson on the boulevard and um, on a pedestal? And yeah, and on in Monument Avenue, the biggest yeah. cross. No, stress. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 don't. Um, but I, what I'm proud of is not our generation, but probably your generation, because um, they're the ones leading the charge. It's really not us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the younger generation, and, and I do think it's sustainable. I do think I think the younger generation is looking for a world that, that is much more peaceful. Um, people get along. We don't have um, racial divide. You see people living together. You see people living in the same community, stuff like that. It's, it's one of the things I even talked to my girls about today talking with their grandparents perspective is everything you know my kids grandparents and my kids it's hard for them to understand they grew up in a time where it was segregated so we're still it it seems so far away but we're still we still have people living today and my and my father-in-law talks about this he's like i couldn't go in that store i couldn't go in there i couldn't go in there you know my kids see an old picture of a water fountain for whites and then a water fountain that says colored. And they're like, what was that? Their grandparents are like, yeah, I'll tell you all about that. You know, so it's, it's not that, not that you want to put the past on anybody that, that didn't live during that time. But I think if you lose sight of it, 
if you lose sight of where we were, you can end up repeating some of the bad things that happened. Mm-hmm. So everybody having perspective of what it is that that people went through and trying to move forward together is it's the right way to be. Um, yeah, those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it type yes, stuff. Yes, And, I mean, I would love a world where uh, it, you, everyone could be, quote-unquote, like, uh, colorblind. And I know that's, like, a kind of a not a great, you know, that doesn't have great connotations. But, you know, like the, the, ML, the Martin Luther King kind of judge everybody by the content of their character mm-hmm. and not by the color of their skin. Right. It would be, it'd be great to live in a world if that was the case, you know, because nobody can choose what color they are when they come out. But the, the reality is that um, we're sitting on top of like, you know, 400 years of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of race being very important for people. Race being like uh, the, the factor of whether someone was going to have a, a free life or not. And so yeah. we've kind of made it important historically. And we can't just uh, turn around and be like, all right, let's be colorblind now. Yeah. Well, let me add to what you said about being colorblind. So for me... And me and Kevin, we recently talked about this. I don't even want you to be colorblind. I, what I just want you to be is, hey, you're different, and that's okay. Right. It's okay. It's, it's fine. It, it's, my judgment of you doesn't start at the fact that I look at you and I see your skin is a certain color. That's what I want you to be. Um, I tell people all the time, look, I, one thing I can't hide when I walk in a room is that I'm a black man. <laughs> can't do it. You know, so at that point, judge me for how I do things, how I present myself, um, my work ethic. Um, yeah. You know, so see, it's fine to see color. I have no no problem with it. Just be willing to look past that and look at look at the content of somebody's character and accept the fact that, hey, a variety, diversity is actually a good thing. Diversity of thought is a good thing. Perspective, different perspective is a good thing because we all know we've been there. When we get a bunch of people that think like us, talk like us, and they're always in our head, what other than what we've already formulated in our own mind, what else? What else are we good at? You're not going to make. You're not going to make progress. No, it? ever. So you know, mm. celebrate the celebrate the differences. That's that's what I would say. So that's a, that's it, a good. Go ahead. Can I ask a question? Here we go. Is this you practicing your podcast? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, well, it could be. Right. So, and I'm asking if to Al. Um, What's your perspective on on Black Lives Matter? Because I think there's been a lot of um, confusion. I, a, lot, a lot of times, I, I I like to tell people take the extremes out on both ends and see what the the what what's driving and what, what's what's going on in the middle because that's the main part of it. Not not that everybody sees it that way, but um, can you like give us your perspective on that? Because you and I have had some really good conversations on what Black Lives Matter is and how it tries to affect things mm-hmm. in the world. And, and there, are, there are white people out there who think, well, why aren't they upset about this? Why aren't they upset about that? Correct. But they're driving this narrative. Right. Well, I, I, think, I think, again, understanding the history of something is important. Um, my understanding of Black Lives Matter and why I, quite frankly, support 
uh, the movement of Black Lives Matter is that it derived from a place of of what I will call killing of an unarmed black man, right? So let's say that's the basis of where it comes from. And if we all can agree to that, that's kind of just a good starting point. Um, so when the term is, when that phrase is said, I think what happens, I think what happens to some people is, are you only trying to say that's what matters? Yeah. And it's, no, it's the farthest from the truth. The truth is, look, we want, what you see on TV or what's presented is, you look at, and I don't remember the, the gentleman's name, I think it was Philando Castile, mm-hmm. who was actually recorded and the, yep. the cop shot him in the car. When you see that, um, Trayvon Martin was a different case, but you see a kid that went to the store bought some things and next thing you know he's followed by the neighborhood watch guy and he's dead um you see george floyd what's being said is hey people black lives matter we don't you know we can't just be thrown away like trash it it it, you it's not okay to do this stuff to us and get away with it and i think what was happening is that from the black community perspective, those things were, you would see it with your own two eyes and in your, in your mind, you're like, that's clear. It's very clear what happened. And then trial comes or sentencing comes and it's like, Oh, that does not fit. And it's like, what does it take for my life to matter? And that's the argument. It has, it really has nothing to do with anything else other than, Hey, we matter. We count. Um, so you move that forward and you look at where we are today, you see Black Lives Matter painted on buildings, painted on monuments, painted on who knows what. I'm, I'm not an advocate of tearing up anybody's property or defacing property. I'm not in any way that guy. Um, but what I will say is sometimes... Sometimes it takes sometimes it takes a little more than what we're comfortable with to push us in the direction that we need to go. Right? Because if I just simply march down the street and I'm quiet and then I go home, there's really not a big story to tell, right? Sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable to start seeing it a different way. And I think that's what ultimately, that was what was sustainable with what happened with George Floyd was that people stayed at it. It was day after day after day. I mean, looking right here in Richmond and, and um, we go look at Lee's Lee statue. Never in a million years would I have thought, you know, it'd be graffiti all over that statue, but it's powerful. And it, it makes you it makes you think and it made people uncomfortable and it was out of the box. And so now you're starting to see different progress. So I, what I would say to anybody that has any any ill feeling towards Black Lives Matter, the basis of it was 
was a good thing. It was a chance to say, hey, I'm standing up and, and my life matters because what I see is that black lives are being taken and there's been there's no accountability being taken for it. So, hey, I, I count. I matter. Um, but, yeah, I, I see what you see. I see it in social media all the time, you know. I have respect for I have respect for law and order. I respect police when I have friends, family that are police. Um, I res- respect everybody. So when people say white lives matter, blue lives matter, I get what you're trying to say, but it goes back to what you said. It's it's not a one up thing that we're trying to do. It's just we're trying to again just say that hey, this stuff is senseless. And at some point, we need people to stand with us and say, enough is enough. And I think that's what, like I said, I think that's what the younger generation is starting to do. The math equation does not work. (laughs) Right? So all lives cannot be the, all lives matter can't be the answer if black lives don't matter. That's correct. So I'm sorry. To me, it's pretty basic and simple. But, you know, I I think the concept is fantastic. The challenge is... How do you deal with people twisting it politically for their mm-hmm. own, for their own gain? Right. Yeah, so the one up, the, the one upping mentality causes people to want to right make it their own, yeah. so it advantages them, mm-hmm. and they don't put themselves in other shoes. So Correct. it goes back to the word that uh, Al's wife talked about: empathy. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're yeah. not being empathetic, then you're, you're it's a non-starter. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a level-headed, um, you know, what you said, Al, and and I think that yeah, having good faith in it and. And then, you know, Kevin talking about the extremes. I think that if you just stick to the basis of it and say, like, hey, this is the, it's about respect, it's about perspective. Uh, I think that pretty much everybody's on board. You have like the, the middle 80%, as Paul likes to say. Yeah. And then, and yeah. Then you got the nuts. The, the middle 80 is, is a rational place to be, and, and that's is. where good things happen. There's just a lot of noise on the outside. There, there's there's there. so there's much noise on the extremes. Yeah, so it's much. crazy. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm very glad to meet you, Al. You're going to be back in the pleasure to meet you. Paul's Both ba- you guys. Paul's yeah, basement studios. Of course, PBS. And uh, Kevin, look, really look forward to uh, having you back as well. I had a great time tonight. Really yep. appreciate you joining us. Thank you, and for the perspective. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it too. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.